church. So glad to see all of you here. If you want to make your way to your seat, you guys can stand if you would like. Um, if that's what's comfortable for you while we sing, feel free to do that. You can stay seated if you'd prefer. I'm going to uh, just pray to bless our time together this morning. Heavenly Father, I'm going to pray this prayer. This is a little different. It's up here. This is a prayer of gratitude. So you guys can just follow along if you'd like. You don't have to read it out loud, but you can if you want. Heavenly Father, thank you for every good and perfect gift that we know comes from you. We are humbled by your loving kindness, your beautiful creation, our brothers and sisters among us now. Jesus, you paid the highest price for us. And yet you continue to give and give and give every single day. Holy Spirit, help us to give like you do. Let your goodness foster radical generosity in us. Lead us to those with whom we can share our blessings. Amen. Amen. This morning we just want to celebrate God's goodness, um, everything, his faithfulness. These things create those fruits that we've been talking about with discipleship, all of that comes from the seed of, that God has planted in us from his spirit. We're inspired by the generosity that he's shown us, the love that he's shown us, his kindness, his faithfulness. Those things compel us to then share that with others. And we also feel that because of his faithfulness and his generosity, it's safe than for us to give everything because he, we know that he's, gonna, he's got our back and he's going to take care of us. So um, let's just worship him this morning.
I never do this. Gabe, can you please bring me my water? I have a really dry mouth right now. It's so hard to sing. We're just human people up here, just like you. Okay, sorry about that. All right, I'm back. Okay, we're going to read this call to worship from Psalm 36. Um, in the NASB version this morning, it says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God. And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house, and you give them to drink of the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Amen. He's so good. All right. Never fails when I fail. 
We're going to sing a new song this morning. I sent it out this week, so I hope you guys had a chance to listen to it. It's really good. Give you all a little bit of a warning. I don't know why, but for some reason this song brings out my Texas. So if it sounds a little country, that's just what you get.
that he is faithful this morning. Amen. He is faithful. And um, you can be seated, but we are going to move into a time of prayer. And so I don't want you to lose that posture of, of worship and prayer and thankfulness to God for his faithfulness. Um, and just a reminder that the Lord is here. The Lord is, is present in this place. And, and I know, I feel confident in speaking um, that he, speaking to you, that he wants to draw near to each and every one of you this morning. I know that the Lord longs to draw near to each of you. And so I just want to invite you to draw near to him. Would you do that as we move into a time of prayer? Just draw near to the Lord this morning. Our gracious, good, heavenly Father, Lord, these words this morning speak the truth that is on my heart. That God, I praise you for your goodness in my life. God, I thank you for the goodness that I have seen in my life, even when I am well aware of how much I don't deserve your good gifts and the good things that you have done in my life. And I'm sure many can relate to that this morning. God, the, the beauty of your word, the beauty of the story of God is, is seeing the goodness of God that existed at the very beginning of creation. That a good God created a good and perfect world. You created all things that were good and they were perfect and everything was as it was meant to be. And God, even when that went wrong, even when humanity went into a different direction, God, your goodness continued to chase us down. And God, we see that in the very first family, and we have seen that all throughout Scripture time and time again. And Lord, we can testify this morning that we have seen that in our own lives, that even in the midst of sin, even in the midst of, of the choices that we choose to make that aren't always good. God, you look and you work for our good in the midst of all that is wrong. And so God, we just pause and we say thank you. Thank you for being a good, loving, heavenly father that never stops pursuing us. God, this morning, we just thank you, Lord, for those in our midst, those in our congregation and our church family. We thank you for the healing that we've seen this week. We thank you, we praise you for the good reports that we heard and celebrated this week. God, we, we thank you and praise you that Brett is, is home and he is doing so much better. God, we just give you glory and praise. Thank you, God, that he is here, that he is worshiping from home this morning. And I know, God, he is just grateful for that touch he received from you, Lord. God, we continue to remember those who are still sick, those who are in our midst that are still 
suffering, God, some we know of and some we might not know of. Lord, we just pray that you would draw near to those this morning who still need that touch, that continued healing touch, whether that's physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. God, we know you see us. You see our needs. And we just invite you to draw near to those this morning. God, whatever it is that is on our hearts today, I know you see it all, you know it all. God, would you just meet each person here? Would you just meet them in a unique, individualized way? God, would you encourage our hearts this morning? God, would you move into this space? Move into this space as we celebrate your goodness and your beauty that is all around us. God, give us eyes to see the goodness and the beauty that is all around us. Lord, we are in the dead of winter. We know that spring is is coming, but God, we're still in the thick of winter, and it can be hard to see the beauty and the goodness and the life that is around So God, would you just help us to see it? God, would you give us eyes to see the very good things that you are doing in our midst? Because we declare, we know, God, that you are doing good things in us and around us. Would you give us the eyes to see so that we don't miss what you're doing? God, I just pray that as we move into a time of teaching and as we open up your word, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open up our hearts. God, help us to see, help us to receive, and help us to live in the ways you have called us, your people, to live. God, we are open to you, to your guidance. And we thank you, God, once again for your faithfulness and your goodness in our lives. We love you, Lord, and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. What a great group that is here. I hope you have been blessed this morning by the worship. I know I have. The Lord is, is here, and the Lord was um, just comforting my heart and moving in my midst, and I hope that you acknowledge that and see that in, in your life from where you are standing as well. Well, this morning we are going to continue on our series of Organic Disciples. We have two weeks after this, and then believe it or not, we are going to be entering into the season of Lent. And so um, just a few more weeks of this before we kind of switch gears um, and begin to prepare and celebrate the the Lenten and then the Easter season. Um, But this morning we are going to be talking about joyful generosity, and we're all just going to 
collectively take a deep breath as we acknowledge that this is not always the pastor's favorite thing to talk about and teach about, just like it's probably not everyone's favorite thing to hear about. Because anytime someone is talking to you about money and what you should or shouldn't do, that just feels invasive, intrusive, and awkward, and all these other things. So we'll just acknowledge that right up front, that that's hard and this space can be challenging, but we are open to the Lord. Amen? We are open to the Lord to just speak whatever it is that he needs to speak to us, to you individually. This is not me up here telling you what to do with your money and your things. I don't want to be in your business. Please know that, that that is not, I've got my own stuff to worry about, my own bills to pay, and I'm doing well to keep up with that. So I'm not interested in what you do with your money. I'm interested in you being open to what God wants to teach you about your money and your things and and what you're pursuing in life. Amen? Are we all on the same page with that? Is that good? All right. Well, as we have been doing every week, as we look at these um, markers of spiritual growth, we're on a journey and we're just pausing each week to identify these markers that indicate spiritual growth or maybe where we're not growing in some cases. And each week we start with the same uh, thing in the same place, and that is learning from Jesus. We know that we are followers of Jesus, we are disciples of Jesus, and we look to Jesus first. He is our model. And so we are, we are following in his footsteps. And so this morning, we're learning from Jesus, and we are just acknowledging up front, listen to this, that Jesus gave all he had and all he was for us. Would you agree? That before we get into it, before we unpack what that looks like, that Jesus gave all he had and all he was for us. In his divine generosity, Jesus left the glory of heaven and came to earth and took on our sins and died in our place. And as we pause to just acknowledge what that looked like, what did Jesus give up exactly? And and you know, I kind of say this every week, it goes without saying, but this is not an extensive list. This is just highlighting a few things. We could go on and on with a lot of these things, but, but we acknowledge this morning that Jesus in his divine and joyful generosity, he gave up his eternal home, the, the perfect ideal home, if you will, and he gave that up and moved into our messy neighborhood as Eugene Peterson puts it, and as we often say, right? Jesus gave up the glory of heaven, and he downsized a bit, if you will, and moved into our messy neighborhood. In coming here, we acknowledge and recognize that Jesus didn't cease being God. He didn't cease being divine, but he did indeed take on our messiness in a very new and real way. And along with that, In giving up his eternal home for a period of time, Jesus gave up perfect wholeness for fractured brokenness. And what I mean in that is that Jesus never ceased being whole. He still embodied wholeness. He was still whole and complete, but then he put himself in this space to take on broken things. Right? Jesus only ever knew peace and harmony and unity, and he still embodied peace and harmony and unity. But, but in stepping into our messy neighborhood, he took on things like being beaten and bruised. He was rejected. 
He was betrayed by his closest friends. You see what I mean? Jesus gave up perfect wholeness and received fractured brokenness. And furthermore, Jesus gave up the light of heaven, the light of heaven that you and I could never comprehend or understand at this time. Jesus gave up the light of heaven for the darkness of death and the tomb for a period of time, right? I like how the author in Organic Disciples, he, he puts it like this. He said, Jesus felt the dark hands of death squeeze the life out of him. Then the Lord of light was buried in a tomb for three days. I think it's pretty clear that Jesus was infinitely generous. What more could he have given, honestly? Can, can you imagine what more could Jesus have given? He gave everything for us. And you might agree with that. You might say, well, I can't argue that Jesus did give up everything for us, but, but the title of the message is Joyful Generosity. And, and how do we know exactly that Jesus did all of this joyfully? Do we just go with the Sunday school answer that, well, he's Jesus. Jesus is joy. Of course, he did it all joyfully. He's Jesus. Jesus is joy. But I really like how the author of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 3, he kind of underlines what that joy looked like and where that came from. Because in that portion of the verse, he says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus fixed his eyes on the cross. He, he set his eyes on the cross and he knew that it would be difficult. We're not saying that it was never difficult for him. We're not saying that he wouldn't experience the agony of it all, but, but he set his eyes, he fixed his eyes on the cross and he knew what was coming and he decided that it was worth it. And that's what helped him to be joyful in giving up everything because he knew that in doing so, we would have life. We would have abundant, full life, and we would be reconciled to God once and for all. And so for him, it was worth it. And I think that he did do it joyfully. So why is joyful generosity a marker of spiritual maturity in the life of a disciple of Jesus? Because it is what marked the life of our Lord. God has been infinitely generous, and, and Jesus was a model of infinite, joyful generosity. And as followers of Jesus, we are to live that way. We are to live generously because we know that Jesus held nothing back from us. And so as we kind of personalize this, and as we look inward, as we do each week, as we're looking at these spiritual markers, we kind of shift from, from looking at, to Jesus as our example, and we look inward, and we reflect. We look inside of ourselves, and we kind of identify, what does this look like for me? And I'll just go ahead and acknowledge that there are many ways in which we can be generous, right? We don't just exhibit generosity with our money, but I would say that last week, humble 
humble service was what we talked about last week. And I would say that that is, is what it looks like to live generously with just ourselves, with just our lives. That we, we can be generous with ourselves, with our time, our talents, our gifts that God has given us. And we can serve others with just ourselves, right? And we just really went in depth with that last week. And so this week we have to acknowledge, as much as we might not like to, we have to acknowledge that a lot of times what keeps us from living generously or joyfully generous is money and things. Because that's what a lot of life revolves around, right? Money and things. We can't ignore that. It's the elephant in the room, and it's a lot of times what keeps us from living generously as Jesus instructed us to live. And so maybe you're familiar with the story of Zacchaeus this morning, right? And, and maybe you've kind of heard uh, the story of Zacchaeus preached in a different light, that there is certainly a message there for sinners and how Jesus views sinners, so, sinners, so to speak, right? We're all sinners, amen? <laughs> and, and we know that, that society kind of pushes sinners sinners to the margins and says, don't, you know, they're messy, just leave them be. But Jesus totally flips that on the head with the story of Zacchaeus. But, but I wonder if you've ever read the story of Zacchaeus or, or listened to the story of Zacchaeus thinking and, and learning and understanding how generous Zacchaeus actually was. Have you ever let that sink in? Let's, let's acknowledge that this morning as we read from Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. You can follow along on the screen. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. This is the story of someone who would fit really well with much of the world today, right? Because this is the story of someone who spent his entire life earning and protecting his money, right? And because of his great love for money, Zacchaeus had a great love of money. And because of this love for money was so great, he, he was the master of manipulation and he would extort for, for more wealth, to gain more wealth. Zacchaeus gained wealth at the expense of others. He did so while stepping on the backs of others. And like everyone in his, in his profession, they didn't care about who they hurt in, in, along the way. They just wanted to gain more wealth for themselves. Does that sound familiar to us? That sounds like the world we live in, right? Zacchaeus was selfish. Let's just be honest. He was selfish. He was self-centered. He only was looking out for himself, looking out for number one. And I think to understand what's coming next in the story, to really accept and understand what's happening in the story, you really have to acknowledge all the moving parts here. 
Luke highlights for us that Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. He's at the very top. He's got lots of tax collectors under his authority. He's in charge of an entire region. He has worked his way up. He is the top dog. He's earning the, the top money. And he has, doesn't just have an appreciation for money. He has a deep love for money. He was obsessed with wealth, and it was just probably never enough. And this does not just disappear right? This does not go away. I think we all have to acknowledge that we have to work to, to not be selfish. We have to work really hard and be really intentional to not get so fixated on money and how we can acquire more. That doesn't just go away. It's very difficult. And some might say it's impossible that someone like Zacchaeus would turn around and do what he just did. But Nothing is impossible when you have a real encounter with Jesus. Because you see, the story is looking pretty grim, but then he met Jesus. He encountered Jesus and everything changed. Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus transformed his heart because that is possible. Amen? Through the Holy Spirit of God, our hearts can be transformed, and we do things that make the world stand back and and scratch their heads, and they're like, what just happened? How is it possible that Zacchaeus went from this top chief tax collector who just was not a nice person because all he cared about was money and more, and then he goes from that to giving up almost everything? That is only possible through the transformation of Jesus. That's what happens when we encounter Jesus. You see, when Zacchaeus realized who Jesus was and just how much love Jesus had for him, standing in the light and love of Jesus, Zacchaeus made a 180-degree turn, right? I mean, he tracked down the chief tax collector, tracked down each and every person he took from, and he gave it back. But he didn't just give back. That would have been the the right thing to do, right? To just give back what you took, give back what you stole, give back what belongs to them. But then Luke tells us that he gave how much more? Four times more. (laughs) He gives above and beyond what he took. And then if that wasn't enough, He essentially liquidates all his assets. He gives half the money to the poor and to the needy in his community and is surrendered now to the way and will of Jesus. The point of this story this morning is not that we are all lovers of money to this extent. You might be. That might be someone's story. I mean, that's just, I'm not even trying to be funny. That's just the reality. That might be someone's story. But, but I am well aware that for many of you, the, the deep greed and the level of, of extortion that Zacchaeus was, was not above, that may not be what touches you this morning, and I am aware of that. But the point that I want us to recognize this morning is that in response to Jesus, Zacchaeus is no longer concerned with what he can gain. In response to a loving, generous Savior, Zacchaeus is no longer worried about what I need and what I want. Because in response to Jesus, the, 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 the new way for Zacchaeus is, Lord, what can I give away? 
I've seen how generous you are, Jesus. What can I give? How can I serve you? When we really encounter Jesus, and I mean really encounter Jesus, not just showing up to church, not just checking off the boxes, I mean really encounter Jesus, he becomes Lord over everything, including our finances. And any follower of Jesus, I read this in the book this week, and it's hard to digest, but it's true. Any follower of Jesus who says that Jesus has all of me, but whose finances don't reflect that, is fooling themselves. That's hard. That's hard for me. We're fooling ourselves if we say Jesus has all of me, and yet it's so hard to really give him all of us when it comes to our finances. The presence of Jesus in the life of Zacchaeus was transformational. And friends, when we allow the Holy Spirit of God to soften our hearts so that we become generous and loosen our grip on the stuff of this world, listen, others are blessed Heaven rejoices and God delights because it's probably one of the most difficult things to do. But can you imagine for a moment, put yourself in the shoes of the people that Zacchaeus came back to and gave back to them. Can you just imagine how backwards that was to them? Because they didn't love it, but they accepted it, that this is just how it is. People like Zacchaeus can take what they want and it just is what, it's not fair but they probably accepted that it is what it is and they can't do anything about it. Can you imagine what happened in the hearts of those when Zacchaeus knocked on their door and gave not only gave back what he took, but gave more? Friends, that's powerful. That's transformational, and that's what God wants to do in and through us. Because God delights in us that we are growing up and maturing in our faith and when we are are learning to share like our Heavenly Father shares. So let's kind of get to to the rub here. We acknowledge that this is good and this is right. But let's also acknowledge what gets in the way of us living this out. What, What keeps us from joyful generosity? And again, this is not all. This doesn't cover everything, but I think it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good indicator. For, for, it's a good starting point. Let's say that. Because for many, what gets in the way of us living this call to live generously, for many of us, money is our master. It's as simple as that. Our money controls us. Money tells me what to do and what I can't do. And the, the hard truth for us to acknowledge is that in Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says, you can't serve God and money. It's one or the other. Choose which one is going to be Lord of your life because it can't be both. If money is our master, then money is what's going to drive our decisions. The love of money is what's going to get us through the day rather than pursuing the will of God, right? Is it our longing to serve Jesus that drives us and our longing to be obedient to the Lord? Is that what drives us and gets us through? Or is it the love of money and how can I acquire more? And so because money is master for many people, money then becomes the ultimate life goal. 
And if money is the ultimate life goal, acquiring money and things, if that is our ultimate life goal, then we will not be available to wholeheartedly follow and serve Jesus. It's going to eventually get in the way, and eventually we're going to find ourselves feeling a lot like the rich young ruler that we read about in Matthew 19, right? For those of you in Sunday school... Yeah, I know. We're hitting this one hard and heavy over these past few weeks. You're probably getting real tired of this popping up everywhere you turn around, but I didn't plan that. <laughs> but, but in the, the story of the rich young ruler, what do you see? You see a young man who comes up to Jesus. He wants to follow Jesus, and he asks him, what do I do? What do I need to do to make sure that I'm in, that I can inherit eternal life? And you know the story. Jesus gives him a list of things that he ought to be doing. This is how you ought to live, and he gets really excited. Check, 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 check. I do all of these things. And Jesus, surely, Jesus knowing what the one hang-up is for him, he really narrows, keys in, zones in on his heart and knows what it is that's tripping him up. And he says, now I need you to share your goods and your wealth. I need you to be generous with what you have, with what I've given you. That's essentially what Jesus says to him. You know, we like to read it in really narrow terms. Go and sell everything you own and come follow me. But Jesus is just asking him to be generous, to trust in me and be generous with what you have. And that's where it stops. He walks away sad. That's a tragic story. He walks away sad because he can't do it, because money is his master and wealth is the life goal for this young man to the point that it gets in the way of him wholeheartedly following Jesus. He does all the other things, but this is the thing that Jesus knows is going to hold him back and get in the way, and he can't do it. And finally, because money is master, for some, they are a slave to debt. See, for many people, debt has such a grip on our lives that when we look at the checkbook, when we look at the bank account, there's nothing left to give. That I can't be generous because all the money I'm making, all the money I have is going back to the people I owe. And for many, debt is their master, they are a slave to debt, and I am not saying it's sinful to have debt. Can I confess? I have debt, okay? <laughs> I have debt. I don't love it, but I have it, and so I'm not trying to make you feel guilty for having debt, but if we're not careful, we can be a slave to debt to the point where there's just nothing left. But here's the thing. Just because we have debt doesn't mean that we're off the hook, right? Oh, 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 okay, you weren't generous because you had debt. Oh, sorry, no, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's going to be um, something that's going to get us off the hook. We are still called to live generously. And if debt is what keeps us from living generously, then it's time to, time to make some hard choices, right? We can't give joyfully when we're strapped with debt because debt is not joyful, <laughs> Uh, debt is not something that makes me feel joy. And I can't give, I can't be joyfully generous if I am a slave to debt and there's nothing left to give. So, acknowledging that these are just some of the things that keep us from, from living generously, what can we do? Oh, man, we've kind of, it's, it's, it's a big 
hill to climb. I've just laid before us a pretty depressing message. So what can we do? What can we do to nurture this spiritual growth in the area of generosity? Let's, let's just, here's a few things to get us started, okay? Give to God first and foremost. I mean, this is scriptural, right? Give to God first. If it's your tithes, then, then give those first. If it's your monthly donations that you're supporting ministries with or nonprofit organizations or whatever you do monthly, do it first. Don't wait until the end to see what's left. Do it first. If it's, your, if it's just budgeting, like I have a budget line for my extra giving, I'm going to give that first rather than waiting until the end of the month to see what's left. Because if we give to God and further, to further his kingdom first, then everything else will fall in line with that, which is how it should be, right? It's not always how it is, but that's how it ought to be. But if we take care of everything else first and save the, the generous giving for the end, then oftentimes what we'll find is that there's just nothing left. There's nothing left to give. Another thing we can do is to just respond to divine promptings. Respond to those moments where the Holy Spirit is encouraging you to give beyond what you've already decided to give. In other words, you might have your set um, extra giving, you might have that set each month, but don't miss those moments where the Holy Spirit might move in your heart and say, hey, I know you didn't plan for this or prepare for this, but I want you to give this to such and such person who's really struggling. And I'm aware that we can't meet all the needs that come up during a day, right? We can't do it. We can't meet all of the needs that might come up. But are we even aware of what some needs are? Are we in tune with the Holy Spirit? Are we open to those last-minute moments where the Holy Spirit might just say, hey, this family is really struggling. They need $100. Give, bless them with $100. Are we aware are we slowing down enough to, to really listen and hear those, those impromptu moments or promptings from the Holy Spirit? Another thing that, that we can do that's difficult, we don't always do this, is to invest in eternity. Remember, remember, put it all back into perspective. Remember that we are a part of a heavenly kingdom, and it goes way beyond what we see in the here and the now. Right? And it's good to make investments. I, I'm no expert, but I understand how investments can be helpful and good, and, and they can help us. But just let us not forget that it's not just about the investments that we see the fruits of here and now in this life. Right? We're working for a heavenly, for a heavenly purpose, and, and we need to invest in things that we might not always see the fruits of, and that's difficult. We want to see the fruits of our labor and what we've invested ourselves in. But Jesus kind of makes it clear to us, I think, that we can pour our resources into one of two things. We can invest in, in one of two things. The things that, that are destroyed and decay and turn into dust. Moths come and destroy them, right? Or we can invest in things that are eternal, things that won't fade away. You're going to like this one. I, I put a good one in the middle for you. Enjoy good gifts. You can nurture this, this marker of spiritual growth, giving and living generously by enjoying the good gifts that God has blessed you with. 
God does not want to just make us miserable. He doesn't want us to live miserably. This is joyful generosity. So use the gifts and the blessings that God has given you to bless others and do so joyfully. I read an example in the book this week that that there was this man that, that Pastor Kevin talks about who would always set aside a certain amount of money and he would plan like a big fun event, like maybe a, a one-day trip somewhere, and he would invite people to join him and he would pick up the tab. And he did not miss an opportunity to tell all those people that he invited hey, this is my way of celebrating how good God is and how much God has blessed me with, and I just want you to to see that, that that this is a good God who loves us, and, and I just want to kind of demonstrate that in this very small way. Enjoy good gifts. God delights when we, his children, enjoy the good gifts he's given us. We like that one, right? Another thing for us to consider is to grow in contentment. Ooh, and this one's hard. This one's hard for me. Are you happy with what you have, or do you need more? And it's not saying again, I'm not the, the, you know, I'm not here to to stomp on your fun. It's okay to get new things. We like new things, but, but if you never had anything else new and shiny again, would you be at peace? Would you be content to only have what you have and nothing more? If we never had anything more, would we still feel content and at peace? Or do we need that other thing to make us feel complete? See, when we learn the secret of contentment, we live in freedom and in joy, right? Finally, this morning, I just want to remind you to just check your heart. Just evaluate. Look Look inside and acknowledge where your heart is. Because Jesus says in Matthew 6 that where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. And so just do a self-check and and ask yourself, where is my heart? In other words, what do I really love? And, you know, they they say this all the time, and it always kind of gets on my nerves. Look at your checkbook, and you find out what you really love. (sighs) That's just convicting, right? But, But really... What is it that you love? What gets the most of your time? What gets the most of your money? What gets the most of you? What's your treasure? What is it that you treasure? And finally, this morning, we acknowledge how joyful generosity leads us into the world. What's the world get when we decide to live generously? I like how, uh, how Pastor Kevin, the author of the book, puts it. He says, if you want to get the attention of a self-centered, materialistic world, learn to be generous. That's fair, right? He said, if you really want to make them wonder, do so with authentic joy. If we really want to make them scratch their heads, live generously and do so full of joy full of joy. As we find growing delight in sharing what we have with those who are in need, we are going to be open to giving when we are given an opportunity. And God is always, always going to use our generosity to draw people to himself. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that God can work through your generosity to draw others to him? And so as we kind of contemplate that this morning, I just want you to to ask yourself one last question. What is my next step into a joyfully generous life? 
It can feel overwhelming. If this is something you've put on the back burner for a while, like we do, right? It's really easy to just get caught up in life and life's demands and, and the things that we got to buy for the kids and for the house and, and for ourselves, not even the stuff that we love to buy. But, but we can really lose sight of, of what, it, what is my next step? What's the one thing I can start doing to just move closer to living generously? Maybe for some of you, I mean, this is just where some of you might be, but maybe for some of you, it's to begin giving some kind of financial gift toward the work of Jesus through his church. We can't pretend that the work of the church doesn't, um, doesn't come from our faithfulness and our generosity from our financial gifts, right? And so maybe for some, that's just your first step is to just begin thinking about what it looks like for you to support the work and the mission of Jesus through the local church. Maybe for some of you, I like this one. I think this one could be kind of an interesting challenge. Maybe you could give something away that you see has a little bit of a hold on your life. And I don't really know what that might be for you, but maybe there's something in your life that you've identified that just has a little bit too much control. And so you could get rid of that thing and you could just give it away to someone else. Maybe for some of you, Maybe there is just a stirring in your heart to increase your giving however that looks. And maybe for some of you, the challenge is to just stretch your faith and trust in the provision of God. Because friends, we serve an abundant God. We serve a God of abundance. Do you believe that? He is never going to let us do without Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well, right? When we seek his kingdom first, he is going to provide for you. So maybe for some, it's just stretching and growing in that tension of faith and trust and just being more open to to faithful, generous giving. Maybe for some of us, let's just be honest. Maybe for some of us, we're giving, but our attitude is not very joyful. Maybe for some of us, we just need to ask God to increase our excitement and just really give us delight in sharing in God's work through generosity. And that's okay. I think he'd be delighted to hear us acknowledge that and to to ask him to help us to just have a better attitude. Help us, Lord, to give joyfully. And finally this morning, maybe the Lord is stirring your heart to, maybe you kind of do the, the maybe what we might call the obvious giving, you know, like the tithing and things like that. But maybe this morning the Lord is stirring your heart to begin with something else, to to take the next step. And maybe it's sponsoring a child through Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. That's been a joy for our family. It's not something we've done just a real long time, but for a few years now we've we've been supporting two kids through the Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. And, And, you know, it kind of helps us to feel like we have a reach somewhere around the world. And it's a tiny, insignificant reach. Trust me, I I feel that. I am aware of that. But, But we hang their pictures on our fridge and we get to celebrate their birthdays with them and send them letters and hear back from them. And it just makes you feel like, wow, Lord, you are using a very tiny bit of our just giving this each month. You're, you're using that to have a reach all around across the world, right? And that's, that's significant. And that is a blessing for us. It's a huge blessing for our family. Maybe the Lord is stirring in your heart to begin supporting one of the ministries that our church tries to support financially. That can be Restore Network. 
They're always in need, and we're gonna, next month we're going to have a time where we can come together and celebrate what Restore Network is doing, and we'll be open to, to supporting them, right? Or maybe it's Good Samaritan Ministries and the, the hard, long, faithful work that they're doing over there in East St. Louis, and that takes a lot. And let's be careful. Let's be really careful, because something I, I don't like is to feel like we're just throwing money at things, Let's don't be those people. Let's don't be that church or those people that just throw money at things. Can we, can we agree to that? Because it can be really easy to just throw a little bit of money at things and feel like, okay, I did my part. I gave them my money. Let's be open to be faithful in other ways and however the Lord might want us to be faithful, not just by throwing our money at things. That's just something that kind of bugs me about us sometimes, my, like us as in Christians. Maybe, you know, we've been doing the bottle campaign for Mosaic. That's a ministry that is near and dear to our church's heart. We want to support the hard work of, of Mosaic, who is just there with new mothers, terrified mothers, overwhelmed mothers that just don't know what the next thing looks like. And so they are there to love them and to help them with each and every step. And there's a new thing that I want to share with you that I just want you to begin praying about. So um, we're all familiar with what happened last August with the folks in Afghanistan and the Taliban, right? I don't have to go over that. We're all very well aware. Our hearts were surely all broken as we saw those families scatter and flee and some weren't able to, and, and that's devastating, absolutely. But, but we, as, as, as the time has gone on, we have seen that, that many are trying to work in ways to help support these families, but the burden is just overwhelming. It's an overwhelming burden that a lot of Christians feel concerned about, but we just don't really know how to help. Have you been there? Have you been there as you're watching the news coverage and you just feel like, I want to do something, but I just don't know what to do. And I'd like to give to an organization, but I just don't know what they're doing or what that looks like. Well, Samaritan's Purse, you know, this is, um, was Billy Graham, now Franklin Graham's ministry. We have somebody in our midst who has been working with Samaritan's Purse, who has been giving their time to Samaritan's Purse. And, and an opportunity has come up from that time. You see, Samaritan's Purse... They, have, um, they are working with the Afghan resettlement program, and what they're essentially doing is they're asking churches to create a team of members, about five to ten member team, to take the lead in sponsoring an Afghan family and to take on the, the main resettlement responsibilities for a commitment of about 90 days uh, with the support and resources of an entire church body behind them. And the intent with this is to help a family who has lost everything, who has nothing. The intent is to surround this family with love, to warmly welcome them into a community, and to become self-sufficient again. Here's what this is going to look like when we really break it down. This team of people who is supported by our church, by BFCN, and supported financially by BFCN, this team of people is going to be responsible for finding and securing housing for this family, for providing basic necessities such as clothing, food, housewares, furniture, hygiene items, the list goes on and on. We're responsible for, for helping this family to find a school that fits their children and helping enroll these children into school and helping with any, you know, get to get any assistance with language barriers and things like that in place. 
The responsibility is to help this family to enroll in, in public services such as food stamps, WIC, Medicaid, things of that nature. We're, we're called to assist these parents as they look for a job, as they look for something that, that can suit their family. But most importantly, we're called to shower them with love, with the warm hospitality of Jesus Christ. And so I'm incredibly grateful to Sarah Jansen, who has been working with Samaritan's Purse and who has just sensed an incredible burden to help these families. And I'm so grateful that Sarah Jansen feels confident in the church that she attends, that she would say, hey, church, can we do this? This seems like something we can do, and I'm passionate about it, and she wants to lead the way. She wants to to have a team of people, but she's going to lead the way for us in welcoming a single family, one family unit, into our loving arms, and we're going to tell them, we're here for you. We're going to help you figure out what life looks like now. And so that's what we're going to do. Your, your church board has, along with myself, we have decided that this fits the mission of the church. I'm going to invite the praise team to come back at this time. And, and I know I just laid a lot on you. And, and this is just, we're just getting the ball rolling. That's as, as many details as I have at this time. But I wanted to share that with you because Sarah and I and the church board, we've been talking and we have just found that this fits the mission of the local church, that, that this is what the church ought to be doing, that we can't fix it all, we can't solve all the problems, but we can come beside a family and say, hey, we are here for you. Whatever that looks like, we're here to support you and to help you. And so you can be a part of this in one of two ways. One or two, or both ways. This is possibly, you know, this is going to be a decent financial burden. And and I'll just share with you that BFCN has already committed $5,000 to this family. We've already set aside a designated amount of $5,000 to help with getting them a new life. Because they have nothing. They have the clothes on their back, and that's about it. They have nothing. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but life is expensive, (laughs) And so we know it's going to take a lot more, and we're going to have support. You know, the government has grants and things like that, so we're going to have that support. But, but that's what the church is giving. But if you feel like this is something that you would want to give to, that's between you and God. Remember, I want no part in that. But if this is something that you feel like the Lord might ask you to give to, then we just want to invite you to do so. And if you decide that this is something that you want to support financially, you don't have to make that decision today at all. But if you do, then I just want to ask you to mark your gifts if you are going to do that. Um, It's the Afghan Resettlement Program where you can mark that ARP, and that's just because, you know, we have a line item that we're going to use for that, and so uh, we just need to know if you're wanting to give to that. We need to know that. And then secondly, if you are someone, and this is something you're probably going to have to pray about, pray about both of these things, but if you are somebody that feels like, I want to help. I want to be on this team. I want to be one of the people that is called to, to show up and, and give a ride or, or help find medical care or a job. Maybe you have a certain area of expertise that we could use. Then, then I want you to let us know because we're forming a small team of people. 
And Sarah, I'm going to ask you to raise or wave your hand. So there's Sarah Jansen. For those of you who don't know her, she's sitting right back here. And you can see Sarah if you're interested in any way, shape, or form, or if you have questions. Because you probably have a lot of questions that I wasn't able to answer in this short period of time. But I just want to tell you, I feel that this is what we are called to do. This is a given for the church. The church should be leading the way in supporting these families. And so we're going to do that. And we're going to trust. There's a lot of unknowns. This is something that feels big. And there's a lot of unknowns. But we're trusting that the Lord has called us to demonstrate generosity. The church should lead the way. And we're going to do that. And we know that God is going to be faithful. Amen. Amen. All right. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you this morning for this heavy reminder that part of growing mature, part of growing up in our spiritual walk, maturing as a Christian, God, part of that includes living a life that is is generous, living a life that is open-handed, that is willing to give to the needs that exist. And God, we recognize the ways in which you have been incredibly generous. God, you held nothing. And we are grateful for that. And so, Lord, we just want to open up our hearts and respond to you in whichever way is appropriate for us this morning. God, would you just show us again what it looks like? to live faithfully and generously. Whatever that next step for us is, God, would you just identify that for us? Help us to see what that is. And God, as our church has just said yes to helping with something that is exciting and it it feels good, but it also feels kind of scary. There's a lot of unknowns. God, would you just lead the way? God, I believe that right now you know the family that might be coming here. You already know who it is. God, would you just begin preparing their hearts and would you begin preparing our hearts as we open up and just say, yes, we will surround this family with love and support and hospitality And we're willing to get our fingers dirty and we're willing to to put in the work that it might take to get them settled. God, would you help us do so with great humility? That we are not trying to be superheroes that are going to swoop in and solve all the problems for these broken, heartbroken families. We don't want that role. So humble us right now, Lord. God, we just want to be faithful. We just want to be faithful knowing that this is what you've called your people to do and we're just going to do it. And we're going to point this family to your love and your grace and we just want to show them who Jesus is. We're going to live that out. God, would you just help us to live that out every day in our own lives, in our own contexts. God, just Give us a renewed vision of what it looks like 
to be joyfully generous. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, I'm just really amazed by how God works. It's so humbling, but I didn't plan this at all, but I was just reading this this week, and I feel like I should share it with you guys. In Deuteronomy 10, verse 18, it says, He, speaking of God, defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves the foreigner residing among you. I'm sorry, I'm crying. Give them food and clothing, and you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. I think that speaks to us because we don't think about that, but because we're Americans, but if even if we don't think of ourselves as foreigners, somebody down along the line, they were foreigners. We didn't come from here. And God says, remember that when there are foreigners among you, you were also a foreigner. Our ancestors came here from somewhere else. And it says that he loves them and he provides for them and he calls us to do the same thing. So appropriately, we're gonna sing this song this morning. And I will invite you to stand if you would like. Um, just think about the words that we're saying and don't rush past this moment. Let's respond to what God's been speaking to our hearts. The things that he maybe has been speaking to you through this sermon. And don't sing it if you don't mean it. It's okay if you need some time, but if we're gonna sing this, let's mean it and let's sing it to God. He's here and he hears us. It's not just a song, it's a prayer.
our prayer this morning that we would be fully, wholly, and completely surrendered to King Jesus, to his will, and to his way. Amen? Amen. All right, you may be seated for a few moments as I share some announcements with you. We've got a lot coming up, and and we're starting to pick back up with things again, so um, just... Be ready to jot down some notes if you need to or take a screenshot or something. But uh, today we are collecting the mosaic baby bottles that we have been, that we've had and we're collecting change for. Go ahead and turn those in today. There's a a box out in the foyer on the table out there um, and you'll see the other bottles and just drop that off today. We would appreciate that. Don't forget that the alabaster offering is going to be collected through the month of February. Anytime you want to bring that, the the big alabaster box is out there. You can't miss it um, and you can drop that by any time during the month of February. There will be a men's breakfast on Saturday, February 19th at 8 a.m. That's here at the church. All men are invited. I can't tell you anything that happens there because I've never been, but I know that it's good and that it's always a blessing and great conversation is had. And and guys, if you just need some good fellowship, try it out. I know that can be hard if, if it's not something you're used to. You don't know what to expect. And I don't know why, but I just feel encouraged to encourage you this morning. If you're missing some fellowship and, and friendship in your life, men, come to the men's breakfast. And, and at the very least, you'll get a great breakfast provided by Pete Hill, a breakfast that you didn't have to cook, that he graciously does that, um, but you could end up finding some great fellowship with great friends. So, so I just want to encourage you this morning. I don't know why, but there it is. Um, the Lunch Bunch will be meeting Wednesday, February 23rd. This time we'll be meeting at Eckert's. Um, pretty soon, as I mentioned earlier in the sermon, we're going to be um, approaching the season of Lent, and so... We have Lenten devotional books. Um, This year they're called These 40 Days. And so if you're interested in a devotional book, as always, those are $6. And you can see Karen for those. Um, We've got those ready for you if you're ready for them. And just a reminder that there's um, weekly worship rehearsals happening right now um, on Thursdays at 7 p.m. here at the church. And this is just for those of you that are scheduled for that following Sunday. But that's something that we've been doing. So I just want to remind you about that. And along with that, um, the worship team is going to be meeting in the sanctuary following the morning service on Sunday, February 27th. So if you're on the worship team in any capacity or if you're interested, right? If you're interested, you just don't really know, but you're interested, come to that meeting and and we'll give you some guidance. Nikki will give you some guidance there. Um, We're going to be providing some snacks and drinks for those of you that are just able to give us some of your time uh, that Sunday following the morning service. And that is all I have for you today. So I invite you to stand this morning. As I leave you with this benediction, brothers and sisters in Christ, it is my prayer that you go, leave this place in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who has given all for you. I pray that you would go and live generously and do so with joy. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a great day.